0: Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brugic, and today we're joined with Dr. Jeff Walleen on the Optometric Insights Show. So, uh, Dr. Walleen, thank you for being here. Um, for those Thanks of for you, yeah, 100. We're honored. We're honored to have you. For those of you that don't know, um, Dr. Walleen, he's a professor at the Ohio State University College of Optometry, and. Uh, <laughs> Ohio, and Jeff. Um, you know, one of the my my fondest memories of you was um, literally when I was uh, a young optometrist. Um, you you embraced me right off the bat. I remember actually going to dinner at the Nichols house with you and Gil Pierce, and uh, to this day it's probably one of the most memorable evenings I've, I've ever had. It was it was awesome. You guys, dinner were at
1: people's awesome. houses they they serve the most memories. I swear.
0: Jeff, it, it, it does. And the wine may have had a little something to do with it as well. <laughs> but uh, but you guys were awesome. You guys were the all-stars of the profession. And I was sitting there having dinner with you. So it was, it was unbelievable. But Jeff, that's not the only thing that's kind of cool about you. You you actually started something kind of interesting. And for those of you that have ever heard an acronym for a study or anybody have an acronym for any type of studies, this is the man who, who started it. Jeff's life has uh, revolved around on pediatrics and pediatrics and contact lenses and pediatrics and myopia management. If you've ever heard of the, the study, Achieve, CLIP, Crayon, these are all acronyms for actual studies that he's done and again, he was really the, the, the trendsetter here but Jeff, you know, I, I, I don't want to take up your time here. You obviously have an interest in um, kids and contact lenses. Where, where did that kind of get started for you?
1: It really started back in undergrad, where I I worked my way through undergrad by um, working with kids, two and a half to five year olds in a daycare center. Um, it really made me fall in love with with working with kids, and ultimately, what my goal was as an optometrist was to go back to my hometown and open up a pediatrics practice. Um, however, it turns out that you know I only have twelve hundred people in my hometown, so that wouldn't have been a very good business model. So, luckily. <laughs> Found something that excited me a little even more, and that's um, academia and research. But from there, you know, when I went to graduate school, I wanted to work in quality of life. It was a brand new area. I thought I could do quality of life related to all aspects of yeah. optometry. Yep. Um, but a fateful dinner at uh, Dr. Zadnick's house actually was what turned me toward um, alignment fit gas permeable contact lenses for myopia control. Um, they floated the idea by me. I fell in love with it within an instant, and um, it really has changed my career tra- trajectory in a substantial way.
0: That's that's unbelievable, Jeff. Again, another example of a dinner creating a positive influence and a trajectory in, in the right direction. So, often. So, so, Jeff. You, I mean, you've you've really um, contributed to the profession a lot, uh, colleagues. For those of you that have ever wondered, like where do we come up with that statistic that children can wear contact lenses just as safely as adolescents or adults i mean jeff's really the one that pioneered those studies he's the one that took the children through those studies and proved that from a scientific perspective so it's not just anecdotal he's he's really creating the research and he's really involved in a lot of um, myopia management that's really his passion but uh jeff is there anything um you know think of a paper or two that you feel is monumental right now in terms of myopia management and just really give us a breakdown of of what that newest research might be for us clinically
1: yeah i I think some of the a couple of newer things that we're just now sort of learning we've had some studies that have replicated these findings are that we can apply two different types of myopia control and get a stronger effect than we can out of one or the other individual so we can fit somebody with orthokeratology and also give them low-concentration atropine, and it results in better myopia control than it would with either one of those individually. And I think that's a game-changer. The reason I say that is there are some patients where you apply a single therapy to, and either the doctor's too nervous or the parents are too nervous, and they think they need to do something else. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think we should change the treatment, because we're just as likely to change it to something that doesn't work as well as we are to change it to something that works better. Instead, I think we ought to add a second therapy, and right now that therapy would be, depending on what you had them in originally, either orthokeratology or um, low-concentration atropine. So that's one area. The other area is just, in general, low-concentration atropine. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited by the effect it has on myopia progression, but the very interesting and almost nerve-wracking part is that it doesn't have as good of control of eye growth. And so it's something that, although it's taken off as a myopia control agent, we really have to be careful and watch ultimately um, what the results are and figure out how it is actually working. Um so that's not the newest, greatest thing to come out, but it's something that you know is evolving rapidly and we really ought to watch for.
0: Jeff, it, it is interesting, like so you're obviously on the cutting edge of this. Um there, there are obvious barriers when it comes to incorporating anything that's new into clinical practice. Um, and I know if I asked you the question, well, who who should be doing this in their clinical practices? You'd probably respond to, well, everybody should be. I mean, they, you should at least have, be having the conversation. Um, unfortunately, it's it's not. It's it's slow to really be kind of uptaking in optometry offices. When do you foresee something like this really becoming the standard of care and and it being the This is option one, and this is what we can do to to prevent um, or change the trajectory of myopia progression over time for your child.
1: I truly believe we're at the place where it should be the standard of care. Um, There's lots of options available for us for myopia control, not just one or two, but we have orthokeratology, soft multifocal contact lenses, um, special spectacles, although they aren't yet available in the United States, and low-concentration atrophy. So, I th- you know, we have lots of options available. They've been um, shown in replicated studies that they are um, good for slowing the progression of myopia of the growth of the eye. And so I really think we ought to be talking to all young myopic patients about this on a very routine basis. Um, so, you know, I think we're already there sort of at the change in the standard of care. I really think we ought to be applying it. Um, and... and you know, I, I really think that's where we're at. Ultimately.
0: Jeff, it's interesting. Like, so when I go back to, so I was in optometry school from 98 to 2002. And I remember um, a professor there who was heavily invested in myopia management, just showing all the, like the, the, the non-human studies that were done that showed all the, the influence of, of focal point on chickens. And, and it was just, to me, it was like unbelievable. And he actually told me, one of my favorite professors, Dr. Dave Troilo, he said, in 20 years after you graduate, he said, you'll be prescribing a drop to manage myopia progression. And I looked at him and I said, what? He's like, yep, in 20 years, that's, that will happen. And it was at the early studies when they were dosing, again, chickens with this stuff. And he was right, kind of. The only, the only thing that he was wrong on was the time frame it wasn't 20 years, it was about 16 years after we graduated that we really kind of started looking into a lot of this. So, it's uh, it's amazing, Jeff.
1: Well, there's so much momentum behind all the new information that we're getting. There are new randomized clinical trials coming out every single month. So, as we learn more, we can apply more and there's just more that we can do for
0: our patients. Yeah, I I agree, Jeff. It's, It's pretty amazing when even when I talk to parents who are, you know, myopic and we tell them like, this is, if your child starts to become myopic, we can actually control this trajectory. They even get excited about it, knowing that they have some level of control. And right now, my my youngest daughter is in orthokeratology, Jeff. We She came in, no vision complaints, but she was a minus 50. And I know what our family history is, and I know the trajectory, and she's young, and we put her in ortho-K, and she's doing great. Oh, that's so, fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. So, Jeff, um, we have a few more minutes here. I, I would really love to... so. Having somebody like you on here, again, is an honor, but I, I, you are, we were sharing before we kind of started here, you're right on the cusp of starting something really special here with with what you foresee as the next um, research that you're going to be undertaking. And if you could, with our listeners, share that, that'd be, that'd be great, Jeff.
1: Yeah, well, one of the new things that has come out are there are ways to potentially delay the onset of myopia. One way is outdoor time, so you can send kids outdoors, and one way is through low-concentration can give them eye drops. The interesting thing about outdoors is it actually has been shown to delay the onset of myopia in multiple studies, but when they do those studies, they basically randomly assign a school to go outdoors during recess or other schools to not go outdoors during recess. And when they do that, the schools that go outdoor for recess have a delayed onset of myopia. But the interesting part is if they tell the parents, they educate the parents about outdoor time at these schools, it doesn't result in any additional outdoor time. So it's interesting because I think individual education is really hard and I don't think it'll be all that beneficial because it's difficult for parents to get their kids outdoors more often. Um, The only way I think that may happen is through public health, you know, um, where we mandate that kids go outside for recess or spend more time outdoors or something like that. So we aren't headed down the more outdoor time route. Instead we're headed down the eye drops before you become myopic. And the idea is if you take low concentration atropine every night, one study has shown, and it wasn't a randomized clinical trial or it wasn't the best study that you could potentially do, but it has shown that you can delay the onset of myopia by giving young kids atropine. And so that's where we're headed next. Um, The interesting thing, though, is these aren't kids. You can't apply these to kids who come to your practice because those pre-myopic kids rarely come to your practice. Mm -hmm. Instead, you know, if this turns out to be really true, we're going to have to go out and search for those kids. We're going to have to go to the schools and do screenings that will show us before they become myopic so that we can apply this treatment to them before the actual onset of myopia. So it, it could ultimately be a game changer because there is some evidence that shows that for every year, the younger, the onset of myopia, People are expected to have almost a diopter more myopia mm-hmm. in adulthood, um, or they're three times, almost three times more likely to be a high myope for every year younger that they become myopic. So if we can just delay that by one year, you know, we might make them a diopter less myopic. If we delay it by more than that, we can even have even more. And when you look at all the myopia control studies, about the most that we can. Um, decrease the amount of myopia that somebody experiences is a diopter so you know not only will they ultimately end up with less myopia but less time wearing myopic correction so there can be lots and lots of great
0: that's great jeff uh keep up the great work this is like this is stuff that i'm following on a daily basis here just to see what's new and um, how we can take this information and really incorporate into patient care and and i I appreciate you being on here, Jeff. Just an absolute honor and um, really cool to hear where we are and and where the research is now even taking us further. Cause I think it provides a certain level of optimism for parents who are just kind of really subject to the, yeah, we just we just correct them and we can't do anything. We we now fortunately can influence that trajectory.
1: Well, and I think parents know a lot more about it. And with FDA approval, now we can, you know, the companies can tell, or at least one company can yeah. tell parents about. So yeah. they'll be coming to us asking for these treatments. And I really think we ought to be educated enough to be able to provide it. And it, it right. doesn't take anything new. It's stuff that you have on your shelf. You can apply it to these kids tomorrow. Okay. So, you know, I implore optometrists to start um, myopia control.
0: Jeff, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Thank you for sharing kind of what's um, coming in the future here and, and thank you audience for for joining us for this episode of the Optometric Insight Show. Make sure to um, follow us on our podcasts, and otherwise guys, thank you and have a great day.
1: Thank you. Bye.